I just flew back from Buenos Aires, and man, are my arms tired or what? You are listening to KC Sports Network, proudly presented by Emprise Bank. Coming up, the latest episode of Only Weird Games, formerly known as Time's Ours. It really was a week of good karma for the Kansas City Chiefs. If you don't believe me, check out the standings. Check out the schedule. The Chiefs took the week off. Travis Kelsey took off. And we're here now talking about the Chiefs standing alone at the top of the AFC. Seth, what are you looking so so exasperated about? Do you have any idea how bad a dad joke has to be for me to not like it? Like the depths that you must plumb to find a dad joke that I don't love. Actually, you know what? It's growing on me the more I get away from it. I do love a good arms retired joke. And it's, here's the thing. If you're not expecting it, joke still counts. Uh, Nate, you got to enjoy something like a breath of a bye week for yourself. That had to be That had to be absolutely freeing. It, it it was. I got to hang out with the with our boy. I got to, uh, you know, Holly took me out on a date. So I I I, I, I too feel uh, kind of like Travis in that in that way. <laughs> and then um, so you know, watched Missouri beat Tennessee. Yeah, uh, didn't see that happening in that fashion. Uh, then we had our our date. Um, it was lovely, and. Then I woke up to text alerts and I mean all twenty-two angles. I know all people 22. I know people have made this uh assessment already. I'm I'm just happy to lean into it. All twenty-two on the escape, the scramble, the the leaping for the end zone, and then obviously uh, I guess the sweet nectar of the end of the concert speech. <laughs> well, let's, I mean, listen, guys, let's go ahead and break it down. You can head to mnchiefsfan.substack.com right yes. now. Seth mm-hmm. has seven or eight angles of the escape, the scramble, the embrace. Um, Seth, I know it was before marriage, but it was a great quality kiss. We're being honest here. I mean, it, it really was. You know, I was once told that there's no going backwards when you cross physical boundaries. And so I think that we should at least acknowledge that, but you know, whatever. Are you saying there's not a a mountain high enough? Is that, is is not another higher mountain? That is that that what, is that what the youth pastors telling me right now is kids? No going back guys. There's no moving backwards. And I I just think they, we should acknowledge that there's no moving a little fast. Well, it's like I often used to say when I was a youth pastor, I'd tell teens, Guys, you rarely go backwards physically in a relationship after you finish a, a concert in front of a South American crowd <laughs> and run off stage into the arms of your six foot five Super Bowl champion tight end boyfriend. There's no coming back from that, guys. It actually was my lead in half my sermon, so it's strange. <laughs> but you know, alas, I do think <laughs> it got some... you a little bit, right? It got you a little hey, bit. You know what? People seem happy. Got it. I'm I'm like uh, you know to to steal a line from one of my very favorite shows. Um, Seth loves love. I'm gonna I'm trying that out. By mm. the way, 
Okay. I like I, it. I do I do appreciate the fact that um, you know, I'm just trying to see what my friends are up to this weekend. Not really, you know, just taking it nice and easy. And, you know, I want to give a shout out to Leslie E. Wright, who I met last year for the Cincinnati game with some of her family uh and friends. I, I traveled to the game and it's like, okay, let me let me see what my guy Pete Sweeney's doing. You know, let me see what, you know, uh various folks are doing and when leslie has to say i just need entertainment tonight to acknowledge or wh- whoever you know tmz entertainment tonight people magazine the messenger uh she's just like i need people to acknowledge that like he's the he leased the chiefs franchise in receiving yards can they just can they somehow put that in there like he's not just some dude he's a hall of famer you like you know change the position tight end like the most receiving yards two times Super Bowl champion uh, so it's funny how we're going to get to these disclaimers the further this goes along, but I did find it, you know, the, the mirroring and these, the callbacks that this couple has already done is just exquisite. Um, I know we're going to talk about football shortly, but like the fact that Scott's like, Hey, 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 hey no, 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 get out of the tent, get out of the tent. Let them see you. Let them see you. Cause she got something for you. Kind of in the same way that like Donna's like, I know it's thirty four nothing, but they're in the red zone, and you might want to be near the 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 glass for the cameras if he scores a touchdown. So for Taylor to scream, "Let's effing go!" in Donna Kelsey's ear, and then for Scott to essentially say like, "She changed the lyrics. She really likes you." Like, mm-hmm. I love because I want to put pressure on you, Travis. But she really likes you. She changed the lyrics of her song for everyone to notice. And um, And Scott is wearing a Chiefs lanyard in the VIP tent. Look, did Travis know he was going to need a lanyard? Who who got that man? Did he get it himself to show a little bit of support despite being an Eels fan? Yep. And look, it's great parenting work on both sides. You've absolutely got that one nailed. So we have callbacks now. We have we have them attending each other's performances. Uh, Seth, it's the bye week, and look. Well, I don't. Why are we talking to me? I don't. I don't want to do. I don't want to do. Okay, I kind of want to. I don't want to do first take. We're literally a discussion today because it's November thirteenth. Is is CJ Stroud the MVP? And I just yep. want to remind people we yeah, cannot no, that's do so this. Point. Yeah, you, you, you can, can over talk. I, I actually have a take that I think will satisfy some of the types of people that maybe are kind of tired of hearing about this. And I it's really one of the few thoughts on this. Um and my, my wife actually came up with this take. So, okay, so this yeah. might be good. I was thinking this is gonna be a bad take, but no, so gentlemen, gentlemen of the thread who are tired of hearing about Travis Kelsey's love life, eh, you know. It's the bye week. Let's talk. We'll talk about a bunch of football. You know it. I know it. We'll take four more minutes to do this. But it's mostly gentlemen. And I've got good news for gentlemen who are who are sick and tired of, of hearing about this, which I understand. I'm happy for people, but I'm also like, yeah, fair enough. My wife made a good point here, though, because she follows this stuff more closely than I do. She knows a little more about Swifties than I do. And what she pointed out to me is that okay. what we're seeing Please. with Travis Kelsey compared to Taylor Swift's other boyfriends of whom I have very little knowledge. She said, she said, it's just nice to see 
the comeback of men. Like men, men. Men with a capital M, men. Kind of like, you remember Kelsey's uh, SNL skit that you yes. can go through? Yes. <laughs> the list here. You know, these are, hey, uh, you know what? No, I'm not going to respond to that comment. Come but on, I really come want on. To. Tell Jay no. what he needs. What, tell Jay what he needs. Hey, Jay, bet. Anyway, and so <laughs> it's the comeback of men. And you, as a guy who cannot get away with the, the, Sorry, the, the, the new men stuff, I am going to, yes, the not-so-toxic masculinity. We men, we're, men are making a comeback here. Men who are able to to open the pickle jar, to open that car door, to yeah. fight to the death if you're attacked in an alleyway, to wrestle a bobcat to the ground. I'm not sure why a bobcat, but just a mountain lion scares me, and a bobcat seems a little bit easier. Mm. <laughs> I mean, it's a mountain lion. I mean, I love my wife, but I, I don't know, guys. Like, I mean, both of one of us has to make it anyway. It's so Jazz's take on this. It's a little bit of a comeback for men, like the men type men, the yeah. men who are singing that they're men. I do types. think I have kind of been waiting for this bit to run out, but I know it hasn't yet. So I do think one of us <laughs> should interrupt him, Nate. Okay. He's been saying the same thing for several minutes, and I don't know if I love where it's going. Well, you know, Jay made a promise, oh, and nope. I wanted to see if he'd keep it. Okay, Jay. Here he you can go. just directly address, this is good. I like this. Is, we have a great energy for today's show. Okay, here's 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 uh, first take segment two is Josh Dobbs, the MVP of the league. <laughs> and I want to say yes. Confirm. Put me down. Ballot sealed, deliver it to the commissioner's office. Yes, Joshua Dobbs has saved the Minnesota Vikings season so that they can beat a thick seed, so that they can lose on wild card weekend, so that we can all have these memories. And I'm going to say a name that tells me if you're a real fan of Midwestern football from back in the day. Josh Dobbs had a play yesterday where I turned to my wife and I said, I must stop all things. I must go to YouTube. I must show you this play. It is reminiscent of a play that is near and dear to my heart. It's up there with the likes of Barry Sanders and Reggie Bush and what Michael Vick tried to do to 11 men who were in Florida State uniforms. I pulled up the Seneca Wallace run against mm. Iowa State. Mm. Seneca Wallace... <laughs> Josh Dobbs went into his Silica Wallace mode. He's the MVP. Yes. Of the He's the MVP of the league. And and look, I just think the Chiefs are fortunate that they played the Vikings in the pre-Josh Dobbs era. <laughs> hey, KOC is doing incredible things with that offense. I do think that, just on a side note, quarterbacking an offense relatively successfully the way he did last week, especially on like the the three days notice or whatever, that is one of the more impressive things I've seen from a quarterback. And I'm more convinced than ever. We, we do a little. Where this is football, it's Chiefs football, Jason, because now we're in football. Little Vikings yes. stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, I'm from Minnesota, guys. I think we've reached a point where we can say, you Josh know what? I think I think KOC is that dude as an offensive coach. So good on him. That's good to I'm see. I'm just I'm just mad at Seth again. Because he, because you use all your bad jokes out loud and put your good jokes in the comments while Nate was talking. 
Oh, Why did, did I you say your funny right. jokes? I you were talking. No, I don't want you to say more jokes. I that thought you wanted to say the order. That's the comments. You just because you just, just, you just came up with a weird way to be like to to define manliness in kind of unfunny ways. And then in the chat, you go carry all the groceries in one trip, men. Yell out, listen to your mother, men. Those are funny yeah. hits. Those are good. Yeah. Why did those get to the comments while Nate was talking instead of being said out loud on the podcast? Oh, also shout out to ts who says um this is what makes the play truly special is yes it was against texas tech uh they were in the ugly all whites and iowa state was in the guard just guard gorgantianly like holistic all reds hashtag and seth knows men thank you white bacon thank you <laughs> um, <laughs> It was Texas Tech. And Seneca Wallace, I believe, scrambled to the 34-yard line for an 11-yard touchdown run. But it was that last block that is illegal in all 50 states now. Yes. Uh, I believe the receiver is Wagner. He decleated a guy in a way that we have literally, like, legislated out of the game. And <laughs> I watched it, like, five times yesterday because I was like, man, that Josh Dobbs play was really, really cool. But also, yes. there ain't gonna never be another play like Seneca Wallace, man. There you go. No. Like they should have gave him the Heisman right there. Just like I'm giving him the MVP right now. Do you realize, guys, that the Saints were like, he can't play this good, right? And he did it for an entire half. Um, Josh Dobbs, man. What a day. But you know, CJ Shroud helped the Chiefs out. Um, you know, I guess Deshaun Watson played eloquent football. And he it stopped was, throwing the ball downfield. Dink and dunk Deshaun. It was it was wild. Um also. I mean, I, I guess I watched that game. We can't, we can't, we can't act like Robert Spleen made the greatest play in linebacker history when he read the quarterback's eyes who never left the intended receiver. But if that's what we have to do to promote Sunday night football. And, and and God bless Spillane and his wife. Uh, I guess he announced to all of us that they're having a baby. So congrats to them. Uh, his wife was a little nervous because she's like, "I'm I'm carrying another human being. Stop screaming in my ear right now." Uh, <laughs> but Robert Spillane literally went into zone coverage and was like, "Well, the quarterback's eyes are leading me here." And wow, he threw it right to me. Like <laughs> this is the most. Wow, it's really fun when the game goes this way. And Chris Collinsworth acted like he was like Dick Buckus. It was it was a yeah, I know. Now I've never seen a linebacker drop into coverage exactly where the play call calls for him to go and follow the quarterback's eyes before. Oh yes, cut the lawn at five a.m. in the morning, men. Thank you, Carolyn. Tired of pretending it's not perfectly viable to talk about the time of the Kansas City Chiefs. That uh, famous woman in the world. What on earth is that not a valid thing for all of us to talk about? It's crazy. Do you know what you would have given for Matt Castle to date a pop star when no one gave a bleep about your team? Every person complaining about Taylor Swift now in Chiefs Kingdom was weeping, gnashing teeth, watching ESPN every day because they wouldn't talk about the Kansas City Chiefs who were going to go 6-10. and 10. They never talked about them on ESPN because they were completely irrelevant. Completely irrelevant. And now they're the most relevant team in the world, and you don't want to hear about it anymore. Who's, who's Jessica Simpson's uh, 
sister? What's her name? You know, Josh. Thanks for listening to KC Sports Network. Make sure you download our new app. Find it on the App Store or Google Play. Just search KC Sports Network. We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. There was there was a really no authority. Um, maybe. Um, look, I'm glad to be back and that the roommates have, uh, you know, the roommates are having a little bit of a of a moment, guys. And you know, I'm just here to be wacky and somewhat insightful. Look, they're gonna go back to their rooms. They're gonna ask harsh feelings. They'll figure it out. The Josh has got really weird. strong. I drive a Dodge Stratus energy right now. Um, even though know that means oh, it's an SNL thing from before you were born. Will Probably so. You're very, oh, very important. I'm sorry. Okay. okay, for those who are listening, I have been tormenting Josh with repeatedly funnier than anything I said during this, like my actual man bit. Um, I, I so I just keep posting men memes that are way funnier than anything I said, and it's draining Josh's soul. It's not even, you know, it's really not just the, you having funnier chats in the chat than you did on the podcast hurts me, but is it really what's driving my rage now? What's driving my rage now is, I'm just, I'm so, so tired of, of how often people are talking about the Kansas City Chiefs. Call over what it was like. Oh, the, I'm so, no, I'm, there, I'm, there was a good I'm, point there. The only thing I was going to say, there was a good point made here in the comments. I, I I think it was Joshua Z. I'm not going to be able to say your last name, buddy. I'm sorry. It starts with a Z. 
And he goes, I wanted less attention on those Chiefs. That's yeah. not a bad point. Because anytime the national media noticed the Chiefs, it was because, hey, did you uh, hear that the Chiefs managed to somehow go 2-14? and 14? Hey, I heard that, uh, you know, Jamal Charles ran for 240 yards and three touchdowns and did a backflip into the end zone and the Chiefs lost by 40. It was like, <laughs> so those, you know what? That's a solid point. But Josh, you are absolutely right. And so I just need to tell all those men in the comments and the men listening to this podcast, the men who carry the groceries in in one trip, because that's the rule. You all know that's the rule. Just understand that we are in the golden age of Chiefs fanhood. And now a Chiefs player, they have the best quarterback in the world, the most famous quarterback, who was the most famous football player in the world. Travis Kelsey is now the most famous football player in the world, which is kind of weird and funny and odd that it would happen because of this. But I'm just going to enjoy it. My wife asks me about the Chiefs more often now. It's kind of nice. I, I've done some research. If you're asking for a comparison in status, uh, Matt Castle would have dated Ashley Simpson. That's where we're headed. Ashley Simpson right now, uh, per Google, is 39 years old. Matt Castle's 41. I understand that Matt Castle's is married with children, but that's that's what that would have got you on the C block of Us Weekly or The Dish or Bravo, right? Um, I don't know why Ashley Simpson is the is the woman that I've chosen for this um, scenario, but that's who I've chosen. Not Jessica Simpson because that was Tony Romo. Back in the day, oh right, so we're, yeah, we're a step below that, considering again Tony Romo to to Matt Castle. Um, so what Andy Reid told us today is basically that they have chosen to not play Kadarius Tony and I'm gonna um, again. I'm gonna somehow get gotten away with it with a seventy-two record. Okay. Somehow gotten away with it. This is like that he can't keep getting away with this moment. By the way, because but by, by the way. Shout out to Claude, who created by far the most hilarious bit from our last... When you broke my heart among the news that... I'm sorry. That yeah. Tony knows the offense, and I was... You have which, never shocked me. Which Andy essentially alluded to today. No, 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 guys. We just... We've, we've chosen to only play him seven snaps against a legitimate contending team, uh, the Miami Dolphins. We we chose to do that, and and we still won the game. And when I mean we, I mean obviously in the Andy Reid voice. But like, yeah, he's they they literally chosen not to play their second most productive receiver. If you look at any metric of advanced uh, statistics, uh, whether you want to use Pro Football Focus or Next Gen Stats or True Media, yeah, they they just um, you know, hey, I heard the Eagles are good. You think they'll play Kadarius Tony eleven snaps on Monday night next Monday? Anybody? I, I just saw a comment from Adam Sheehan, and it says, Kelsey is Joe DiMaggio, an inner circle Hall of Fame player who is with someone way more famous than him. That might be the best comp in sports history. Can 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 it just go differently this time? Yeah, ideally it'll go oh, I'm asking. a lot of things. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, that's a great comp that I will be stealing. Thank you, Adam. Um, yes. Nate, I, I heard that audio from his presser earlier today. Uh-huh. I was... Once again, driven mad briefly, and I don't, I don't even know what the plan is supposed to be. Like I don't, I don't know it. 
I because I've been kicking this around. We've talked about it plenty on the show and off the show. What is the reasonable, potentially true answer to why is Kadarius Tony not playing more? And I think what Andy Reid said today is probably as good as it gets in terms of a reasonable, logical answer. And it's still a bad answer when your receiver position has been a problem all year. You, you, you traded for this guy last mid-season. I know you yep. didn't have training camp and all. And mentioning the surgeries, that was fine. But but he, he peaked snaps-wise, I had it up earlier, in like week three, four, five, something like that. Like, he's had uh-huh. a bell curve of snaps. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And then they, and and then they traded so, for Michael so, Hardman, and yes. his snaps just crater Down again. And so is he so important that you want to make sure he's healthy for the playoffs? Or is he not that important so it doesn't matter that he doesn't get any live snaps with Patrick Mahomes running real, real wide receiver routes? Hey, hey, Seth, when's the next bye week for this Chiefs team? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and say probably during the wild card round, my friend. So if we assume that that can happen and, and might happen, um, any football player will tell you that they're as healthy as physically possible after the bye week if they don't have a major injury that they are already trying to recover from. So while Andy Reid chose to be more honest than usual today, it does demonstrate... It does demonstrate that uh, Kadarius Sony is never going to be healthier for the remainder of the season in a contact sport that is incredibly violent and hard to play. Um, ask Trevor Lawrence. Trevor Lawrence must have heard the play calls in yesterday's game and said, oh, I mean, I know because the scoreboard says that, Doug. But, like, you come back here and try to drop back. They traded for Chase Young, and he turned into a monster. And they already have four monsters, okay? So in a violent sport where you get hit all the time, um, this is as healthy as he's going to be. And, of course, his most memorable... It's also fascinating, too, that, like, Kadarius Tony's most memorable moment as a Chief is against the Eagles, their next opponent, who is also coming off a bye week. So it does set up this like lovely two really healthy teams, two highly talented teams, uh, each at the top of their standings when the game starts uh, to sort of get us to what I call real football. We are, we're done kids. Uh, Next week, in my opinion, is when real football starts. These first 10 weeks, all shits and giggles. Okay. Um, it's mostly to find out who you are and who the opponents are and who's got a decent coach. And, you know, it's also nice to have, you know, Joshua Dobbs go from Cleveland to Arizona to Minnesota before real football starts. So if you want to have a true sprint to the one seed, if you want to, and I always say real football starts once you get to like Thanksgiving, when the weather starts to change, when you have to start adjusting not only your own tendencies, but like your own play style to the weather. You can't just sling the ball 50 times uh, if you're playing in Green Bay, if you're playing in Pittsburgh, if you're playing in Chicago. Uh, the, the You can tell when the statistical data starts to morph um, because there are good coaches, there is attrition, and all of a sudden the weather changes. So this is as good as... Tony's going to feel this is as good as Isaiah Pacheco's going to feel hell Travis Kelsey flew to Argentina just to get some of that Colombian coffee I'm sure 
And this is as good as he's going to feel because he's 30 freaking four. So uh, if you're not going to show your true, I guess, capabilities against the Eagles on Monday night, then why would you save him for these nine games if you weren't going to sort of theoretically flip the switch to ensure that you get, as I asked Seth, when is the actual next bye week? Yep. And I, I want to talk, Seth, I know you're working on right now kind of things the Chiefs should be doing out, out of the bye to uh, to recalibrate on some stuff. And Nate, that's the first one that I would have asked about if we didn't end up here anyway, is what are we doing with Kadarius Tony? And if there really was an incubation period and then it's time to really get him in the fold and make sure he is playing wide receiver in your offense by playoff time, start it a week from tonight. Start it and... Uh, a week and two hours as we do this live now. Um, that would be fine with me, I suppose. Seth, where where do you start on the receiver discussion um, in terms of what the Chiefs should be doing differently outside of the bye? The, just to touch on the Kadarius Tony thing, I, I guess it makes sense, sort of. Like, it makes sense from a certain perspective. I don't know if it's what I do, but they really seem to have decided, like, if they don't think the guy can stay healthy... Because they seem to have a pretty decent-sized role for him before uh, drop Mageddon in week one. And then Andy was like, ah, we probably brought him back a little too fast. And I, I just, it, it is weird to me that his snap count dropped off so um, drastically once Hardman would, came on board. The fact that Hardman's out-snapped him the last couple weeks. All of these things are weird to me. Um... And so I, I I took some time over the bye week to really kind of examine the Chiefs' offense. There's a lot of people that have a lot to say about um, uh, play calling. I'll, I'll be honest. I the there are there are opportunities there. Um, Andy Reid in year you know nine million as an offensive play caller has not lost his fastball. That's now does he do things occasionally that make me crazy? Yes. Yes, he does. But those are the same things that he's always done, and they've been fine mostly during the Mahomes era. So it's not like they're just, oh, they're not calling any of the good plays anymore. That's not exactly true. What I've kind of uh, come from, like after really looking at some of the wide receivers and looking at a few of the games, I, I think the Chiefs and Andy Reid has often, if you look back at wide receiver snap counts, not just this year, but last year, the year before, the year before, the year before, even when they had Tyreek Hill and and Sammy Watkins, he really did do a bunch of this musical chairs of wide receiver stuff. You'd have, you know, Tyreek Hill obviously get like 80, 85% of the snaps, but then you'd have like three different dudes getting like 50 to 60% of the snaps. He's often done this. Well, he's always done this. And this is the year to me that I'm a little more just stop it. Because okay, with with this current group, when you've got guys that you are trying to work into the fold, I think one of the most important things for the Chiefs in terms of um, how things will look in the playoffs for their offense will be Rasheed Rice's role in the offense and Kadarius Tony's role in the offense. Because that that's they are the two most talented playmakers they have on offense. And stupid Kadarius Tony bringing me back in with one really awesome run. The the big thing for me, though, like the first thing I would change 
is they need to take the trading wheels off of Rice and Tony and just know by the time they get to the playoffs. Is this a guy we can count on to do anything? Or, you know, he's, like I said last Anything, week, everything, or nothing. Like, go ahead. Can you put him in a bucket? Yeah, yeah. Put him in some kind of bucket and, and just have an actual defined role for the guy. And the other thing, like the one thing that I'd said was, you know, like last week, you can't call up, you know, five slants for him a game. You can't do that. And that's where I think getting the playmakers the ball, enlarging the, not just the snap count, but the role for Kadarius Tony and Rasheed Rice, especially Rasheed Rice. That's I, I I don't think I don't feel the need to explain that because I think everyone wants that, right? Yeah, sure. Yeah. Um, and so by actually expanding both of their roles, I think it would force Andy Reid to simplify a little bit on offense. Um, I don't think you got a group of guys here that can run a bunch of of option routes constantly. I don't think you'd run a bunch of bending routes around zones. You don't have those guys now. You don't. So you can't run it like you do. And so I would like to see a little more of a simplified, controlled offense for some of the guys while Travis Kelsey just does whatever the crap he wants. Because that works. And that allows you to utilize guys like a Tony who maybe he isn't a guy that's going to do some of the things that you'd look for in, in a 70% of the snaps rule. But that that's where I would start. And, and, and again, it comes down to the idea of you're telling me Kadarius Tony with 4-4 speed can't run a post down the field like he just can't do it um because that's what you're asking with some of these snaps that you're giving justin watson and mvs and just having them run posts and nines you're you're asking them to take the top off the defense well give tony a chance to do that excuse um, me it's very upset thinking about it yeah he's he's emotional oh uh, my my favorite play um that i rewatched about 10 to 12 times uh, from the Miami game uh, in Germany was that the Chiefs on like third and 20, I believe, um, literally ran Wasp. Like they ran it. And it was hilarious because, of course, that play is designed for Tyree Kill. Hmm. <laughs> you know, it worked really well in the Super Bowl. But I think both small and from a grand perspective, it's not going to work the same way. He worked with Tyree Kill in the biggest game of the season on third and fifteen. But MBS has a step on both the corner and the safety. For whatever reason, Patrick chooses not to throw it deep and in one of the most odd sights you'll ever see, Joe Tooney just gets whipped. Mm. And that's why the play doesn't work. So it is a mixture of things that makes it really, really hard to, to sort of pinpoint one or two things, if that makes sense. You, you call that play with the understanding that, like, hopefully Donovan Smith doesn't get beat. Donovan Smith holds up really really well so the quarterback's blind side is protected for him to have faith to throw the ball deep on third and 20 but because Joe Tooney gets beat in a unusual quick fashion Patrick doesn't throw the ball he already has in his mind issues with 
you know, his connection with MBS. And then instead of a deep incompletion, a pass interference penalty, or just a arm punt, it's a strip sack fumble. And I think it's somewhat illustration of the offensive line is not played as well at times as it did last year, even for the three guys who returned from one of the all-time offensive line performances in postseason history when they never gave up a sack to Patrick Mahomes, who still played on a, you know, really high ankle spray. Um, that's, that's just one play that I wanted to um, sort of showcase in this week's episode is just like, before we move forward to the Eagles, just know that like, kind of to both Josh and Seth's point, like, they are running the right plays or they at least have things dialed up for certain situations. Uh, but the players themselves have sort of, have sort of failed at a slightly more higher rate than like, I think we're all accustomed to. Yep. And yet one of the ways to, I think make up for that is playing your best five position players running the football more and being more conservative in a way that Matt Nagy has yet to show that I think some people are starting to come around to the fact that maybe Eric Bieniemy was comfortable in certain situations breaking tendencies with run plays where the Chiefs are still trying to move the ball down the field with mostly Mahomes where Pacheco's the off-speed pitch instead of that being a, a more mixture of their of their arsenal. He's the off-speed pitch that, like, the pitcher's still working on that he'll throw, like, four times a game. It's like, hey, man, if you wanted to throw that thing, like, 15 times, Brady Singer, mm-hmm. we might be able to have something going here. That's a yep. cross-port uh, reference for everybody. Seth, you want to put a cap on that before we take a quick timeout? Sure. I do think it's worth noting that when you look at the, uh, when you look at the Chiefs-Dolphins game, um... Pacheco ended up carrying the ball 16 times, which doesn't sound like a ton, but when you break down the number of, I mean, Mahomes threw the ball 30 times. And so you had actually a, a, a ratio. A decent, yes. A decent ratio of more what you're looking for. Um, I think for me, it, it's a matter of their run blocking hasn't been particularly good either. And I think you really hit on something there when you're talking. Any about- reason it was fine today? Say, say, say that one more time, Josh. Say that one more yeah. time for people. Andy Reid, Andy Reed, I think specifically went out of his way to say he thought the run blocking's been pretty good. So that's just and, and I asked that and I asked that question wondering what the answers be because he just told us, "Oh, you trying to be honest?" Yeah. Then he retreated oh, back. He's like, playing. He's like, "Oh, Nate, you flew too close to the sun, my friend." Yeah. He, <laughs> he, 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 he's like, "No, we're playing great. We're playing great." And I was yeah. like, "I mean, so, I guess, but." And I, it, one thing that I really do think is interesting, like, and, and there's a really good actual, like, ex, I can see examples of it when I look in, in the comments, you know, I'll see one person saying, well, Mahomes is playing worse. And other people are saying, well, the receivers are never getting open. And other people will say, and this is like what you'll experience on Twitter too. It's like, well, the offensive line's playing poorly. Here's the deal. None of those position groups, I think the receivers have been the worst of the three that you're talking about there. But it's not like they've been so garbage. You can go turn on the tape of that that Broncos loss, and they left a lot of yardage on the field with open receivers. They just did. Um, Mahomes didn't have a particularly good game. That happens. What you're seeing with the offense 
in my opinion, because I see other people saying, oh, you know, it's too vanilla play calling. There's been guys available. I, I mean, Mahomes had Noah Gray for, you know, a 60-yard gain at the very least, you know, and they've got shot plays that are designed. Teams are playing a little more single high against them, and they're dialing up some of the same shot plays they used to punish them last year, and something is just a little off every time. And people don't like to hear this, but the unfortunate truth is execution accounts for the majority of the Chiefs' offensive issues here. And because it's not any one person, just, you know, like in the Detroit game, Kadarius Tony had horrific drops that completely swung the game. The Chiefs should have like a game and a half lead on the AFC. They don't, but whatever. When each group, you know, your, your, your wide receivers, your quarterback, your offensive line, just performs 5% less than you'd like, the problem is they take turns. So that doesn't affect 5% of the plays. That affects 15% of the plays or, you know, 14 or whatever, you know, for the math. And that's something, that's one of the things that Reed actually talked about after the Denver game. And he saw a little step forward against the Dolphins, still some problems where he just said, it's just, it's, it's one thing or another. And these are, they're all things per, to be perfectly honest, the, the receivers worry me the most. That's why I'm like, get, you need to get, you need to get your best, like Nate said, your best five guys out there and just start getting them reps and reps, and reps, and working on that chemistry. But the rest of it is just guys playing the way that they've played the last couple of years. And it really sometimes is that simple. Well, you know what? It's never simple getting Tucker D. Franklin involved in this show. The D in Tucker D. Franklin stands for DraftKings, which means it's time for Tucker to tell, about, uh, tell us about uh, our friends over there. A little KCSNDK combo. Tell us about it, Tucker. Ooh, yes. Can you believe we're already this deep into the NFL season? And we got to make every second count. With DraftKings Sportsbook, you can make the most out of every game day. Bet on your favorite teams for a shot at winning big bucks. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting five on any matchup. Looking ahead at the lines this week, Chiefs three-point favorites on the Philadelphia Eagles coming to town. We'll get a little bit more uh, on that game here coming up. And you can get in on the action with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Download the app now and use code KCSN. New customers can score 150 instantly in bonus bets for betting 5 bucks on the NFL. Only on DraftKings Sportsbook with code KCSN. The crown is yours. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER in New York. Call 877-8-HOPE-NY or text HOPE-NY. In Virginia, visit www.1800gambler.net. Please play responsibly. In Connecticut, help is available online for problem gambling. Call 888-789-7777 or visit ccpg.org. On behalf of Boot Hill Casino and Resort in Kansas, must be 21 plus or older in most eligible states, but age varies by jurisdiction. See DraftKings.Sportsbook.com for details and state-specific responsible gaming resources. Eligibility and deposit restrictions apply. Bonus bets expire 168 hours after issuance. Terms at uh, terms at sportsbook.draftkings.com slash football terms. Josh should have read that through first before I started reading it live on your program, but uh, back to you, sir. Listen, man, it's a lot of reading, and sometimes reading a lot of text very quickly is not as easy as you very frequently make it work. Uh, hopefully, uh, we'll be making it work with Benny Heisler right now. Benny and the Bets here on KCSN. Benny, how you doing, sir? What's happening, fellas? Apparently, the uh, the, the D in, in Tucker D. Franklin descriptive. I've got a few of those DraftKings <laughs> reads. Man, like, you need to, maybe the D stands for drink. Like, after you're done reading one of those, you're like, yeah, all right, I probably need to pour myself something at this point. 
It's Tucker Disclaimer Franklin, actually. Oh, that's where that's where it really all comes in. Well done. This conversation can continue for ages. Well, welcome to Only Word Games. It will. Uh, every every <laughs> conversation here does go about 20% too long. Um, first and foremost, Ben, if, if people aren't familiar with Benny and the Bets here on KCSN, um, where can they find it? What do you do? Why are you better at this than all these other schmucks like us out here just tripping over ourselves trying to make bad bets? Probably because you guys are actually out here hosting like a really fun, entertaining show. And I'm just like, hey, we got to get the betting stuff going on together. <laughs> Honestly, I mean, like it's 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 about time and opportunity. And I think what's what's fun about what we've tried to do with with our show in particular is I think most people are starting to get the sense of betting is not this elaborate chase of trying to win as much money as you possibly can and take down the books. We got jobs, we got lives, we got kids, families. Like, this is about when you finally get your kids down. Maybe, you know, you're like me, you got two young ones, and you just start putting the game on. You want to place a couple bets. Sports betting is more of a community, more so than trying to just take over something. And that's kind of what we wanted the show to be about. We wanted it to be very community based. We wanted it to be um, not just like informative, but also. fun and insightful and make it so anybody can partake in it you know we didn't want it to just go towards like a typical audience we want anybody and to to make sports betting something that's oh okay like some of my friends are going to be placing a bet if you get a text message saying i can't believe i lost the same game parley you're just part of the conversation now it's another aspect of the sports water cooler that I think as long as you find a way to make it a little bit more relatable and open and inclusive, then you can have that same type of fun and you hopefully are, are winning a few bets along the way as well. Yeah, and also, if it's not fun, I think you've lost the plot, generally speaking, and, and obviously you've got a good a good angle on yeah. what's up, Nate? I, I was just going to say, so you're, so, Minnie, you're saying that I don't have to treat uh, as someone who does not gamble, um, you know, for the, for the sake of the shield journalistic integrity. Oh, uh, so you're saying that my buddy shouldn't go into this like it's Ocean's Eleven. Like we're not gonna <laughs> take, we're not gonna take the house. We're just gonna try to get in the room so they can let us have a little bit of fun. Um, but but yeah, I always think of I always think of gambling of like if I get the seven game parlay right. I am doing the equivalent of stealing from the Bellagio. And it's like, no, you you probably shouldn't do that. You should probably just, again, pick your spots and uh, have fun with it. Yeah, you're, you're more likely giving back to the Bellagio bank ah! as opposed to stealing from them. Listen, they, they, you- the sportsbooks will, will be the first to let you know when somebody hits a seven-game parlay because they want everybody to try and, and go. <laughs> There's listen. If you got a free bet, if you want to go ahead and take a step, it's it's however you're. It's gonna make your game day experience a little bit more fun. Um, one thing that I like to do sometimes is I'll parlay um, favorites that are no longer favorites mid game in the middle of the witching hour during Red Zone, and think to myself, okay, you know, maybe I'll round robin. Maybe if two out of these three parlays hit at better odds than where they were at the start of the game. Mm-hmm. Now we could be cooking with a little bit of something. 
or you just feel like the teams that they're losing to are trash and they're going to make a fourth quarter run. So more often than not, there's an opportunity there. But again, if you're just chasing after the 7, 8, 9, 10, 10 game part, like I have a buddy, I'll give you a perfect example. A, a good buddy of mine, my neighbor, uh, hit a two-leg parlay for a $10 bet during the Bears-Washington Commanders Thursday night game, which God watching bless that game. God uh, bless you. What was, you're either a what haunted, was he doing? Yeah, you're either a haunted soul like myself as a Bears fan, or you're trying to make something a little bit more entertaining. And for, for a $10 parlay, he took the Bears to win money line. They were uh, a six-point underdog at home. Um, or, I'm sorry, on the road. And then for DJ Moore to score three touchdowns. So yes, I saw these tweets. Yes. Yeah. And and he turned like 10 bucks into like $3,700. Like, you don't have to make it a nine-game one. You try and find a matchup that you like and maybe sync it up a little bit. Again, this it's about having fun and doing it responsibly, which is kind of like a lot of things in life. So we just try to make it a little bit more fun and, and certainly accessible. What have you learned about the Chiefs so far? Uh, obviously, Monday night's going to be fascinating. I was surprised. Tucker said it's already at three. I saw two and a half on DraftKings earlier. I, I'm honestly surprised he going that direction. But what have you figured anything out about this weird, weird football team over the uh, the, the nine or ten weeks so far? Yeah, I, I think the most fascinating thing, we talked about this with Evan Abrams, who's the uh, director of research and information over at Action Network on the latest episode. Um there's a lot of different aspects to the Chiefs this year if you're trying to determine the proper way to bet them. For the first time in three seasons, they're, again, profitable against the spread. 2021-2022, they were actually one of the worst teams in football because of all those close games that they were winning. Mahomes is absurd with his straight-up record. In fact, there was a stat going into the Denver game that was pretty remarkable that if Russell Wilson lost that game, he would have the same number of straight-up losses in his career in Denver, as Patrick Mahomes has had in his entire career. Again, the straight-up numbers don't always reflect the numbers against the spread. It's the, it's the great equalizer. But the stat that I found the most interesting is pertaining to, I think, the most surprising aspect of this year, which is their defense. Evan brought up the stat that second-half unders for the Kansas City Chiefs this year, in all nine of their games, they are 9-0 and to the under. That is a defense that is playing their best football late in the game. They've done a great job of protecting leads, yeah. and they haven't allowed other teams in garbage time to get that last addition to the score that would likely take that second half under perhaps out of the equation. So watch for numbers to go down, watch for scoring to go down, at least when it comes to teams that Kansas City has been playing. I don't know whether that necessarily will translate to the game against Philadelphia, but I also know that going into this game, it's the first time that two teams in quite some, I don't know the exact date, but neither the Eagles or the Chiefs have been underdogs at all this year. So we're going into, what, week 11, first time all season where two of these teams are dogs. Uh, Pretty crazy number to consider that also Jalen Hurts has not been an underdog since the 2021 season. Eagles were not an underdog at all during his starts. They were a dog against the Cowboys, but he was injured for that game mm. in the midst of his MVP season. So uh, Eagles are in uncharted territory coming into Arrowhead as a dog. Uh, just not something that you see with this team for quite some time. So again, this feeds into the narrative that Andy Reid likes a positive first 15, the game script to go in his direction, uh, to get the ball usually at a halftime, and then to sit on the ball with dummy plays. Yes, I was going to say the defense is great in the second half and the offense decides to stop using real plays in the second half. It's a perfect marriage. 
Yeah. One, one other thing, too, about Andy Reid and the bye, I think it's always been discussed how dominant his teams going back to Philadelphia have been against the bye, uh, or not against the bye, but coming after a bye. Um, I will say this, though. Coming after a bye, I, I did ran the numbers if it's been extended rest of 9 to 24 games. 24 is the maximum I could do. Against the spread, Andy Reid in his career in Kansas City, just 11 and 13 against the spread. So yeah, they're winning these games and it's kind of reflective of Mahomes as a quarterback. They'll win the game. Whether or not they cover, it's kind of right at that 500 mark. For more from Benny, check out Benny and the Bets here on KCSN at Benny Heiss on Twitter. Anywhere else we need to point people so they can find all these good little nuggets that you're giving out. The the easiest spot is where hopefully a lot of you guys are, are checking out our, our the show right now. KCSN app. Everything's just delivered to you. Make it nice and easy. But of course, YouTube, um, audio, Spotify, Apple Podcasts. I'm an Overcast guy. So wherever you get your podcasts, you'll find hey. it. I, I love, I love a good little... Live speed, Nate. That is, that's the perfect level between you know the one and the one and a half. One and a half is too fast for me. I'm, I'm, I'm a little bit slower than that. I got yeah. the 1.25. That'll work. I have fully acclimated to two times speed on a few shows. And what? I don't love what it does to my brain. You're you you on the Rachel Nichols speed? Yeah. Uh, wow. Rachel Nichols was the only person that I knew uh, that did podcasts on like two two point five speed. That's that's moving, baby. I think Kay Adams tweeted out when she was listening to Times R's at time and a half speed, and imagining listening to this show at time and a half speed seems absolutely unhinged. Yep. But I love her. But she is. So yeah, yeah I mean, we love her. Yeah, we. We have we have a pretty good feel there, uh, Benny. Thank you very much, sir. We'll let you go, so you don't have to co-host this show with uh, children as well. Although I do think it would be very hard for most people to tell the difference. Yeah, that's that's probably fairly reasonable. Uh, but thanks for having me, fellas. Always enjoy the uh, always enjoy the opportunity. Keep feeding us those nuggets, Benny. Benny in the bets uh, with Benny Heisler. Check it out across the uh, KCSN ecosystem here, and uh, get some uh, good stuff heading into Chiefs and Eagles. Uh, yeah, I don't I don't listen to podcasts at two and a half speed if it's like a podcast I really want to savor and like really, you know, if it's a comedy podcast with a lot of timing. I'm not trying to screw up the timing, but if it's a show that I want to like, you know, mainline as much that information as possible, uh, I'm I'm fully hitting double now and I don't I'm not proud of it. I can't quite do it for audiobooks yet, but I'm working on it and it's upsetting. Yeah. My brain's being irreparably damaged, I believe. Um <laughs> Seth, let's go back to uh, what, what you want to look at next in terms of uh, the Chiefs coming out of the bye. We went offense. Seth wants to see him, or Seth wants to see more of the uh, the, the the Rasheed Rice, Kadarius Tony snaps. Nate wants to see more of the running game with Isaiah Pacheco. I concur with both. I think all of us concur with both of those things. Um, it, what what's next up for you, Seth? I know we're going to talk about a little bit of defense uh, with Nate as well. Do you have a couple of things defensively, or is that all fine and dandy? Is there something else on the offensive side that we haven't talked about yet? Um. Honestly, the defense, I just want them to keep doing what they're doing and keep layering more and more um, disguises on the back end. Um, one thing that's really gone underrated um, because I think they're second in the league in sacks. Yep. One thing that's, that, that gets talked about some, but I think she could talk about even more, is they really, they're, they're not a great pass rushing team. Chris Jones is terrific. And Amena, who has really helped, and Carlotta's taking step forward has really helped. But they're not, they're not like the, the Eagles front four out there. They are very, very good, um, but they, they 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 take a little bit longer to generate pressure. But it doesn't matter as much because the Chiefs' back end has been so good in coverage. I love the fact that they have been disguising their coverages quite a bit. 
I would love to see them use more simulated pressures, which is essentially you're still rushing four, um, but they come from weird angles. And so oftentimes the broadcast will refer to them as a blitz mistakenly. Yeah. It's not technically a blitz because you're not sending five, right? Right. Um, and so I'd like to see them utilize that more because they do it really effectively and they rotate really effectively. They, they, they utilize, they move their coverages around really well. It's nice to see. I do want to say, but I mean, really it's just more of the same with the defense. Just, I, I they're, they're tackling so well. Um, the, Which, the biggest like, thing that a little defensive caveat of offenses are watching the chiefs defense and they're adjusting to what the chiefs defense has been doing. There will be counter punches. So it's not just run back the same stuff. You got to keep up in that chess game. And that's, yes. that I think this crew is very, also very, very capable of doing good leadership. Yep. And Spags has done a good job with differentiating game plans, depending on the opponent and what they're good at. Some of the things that he does, you can dress up differently every week, like moving Chris Jones around to find matchups and also take advantage of, of slide protections to open up um, rushing lanes elsewhere. Like those are things that they everyone knows the Chiefs do, but it looks different each week depending on where the strength of your offensive line is, what kind of protections you like to utilize, that sort of thing. And so it's just a matter of keeping those things relatively fresh. That's a really good point. Um, on the offense, like just a, you know, something that I do think would go in terms of, I, I want them to trim things down. I genuinely do, and part of that would be utilizing more 12 personnel and having Noah Gray more involved as a as a as a primary target um he's been a lot of snaps this year which I feel like most people would be surprised by the number of snaps I don't have him in front of me right now but he's played a significant portion of the snaps and just not got a significant number of targets that's absolutely correct he has played a pretty high percentage of the snaps and that percentage is a percentage that I will be telling you just a moment but so he's he's played. They've got him. At I also have some great numbers. They've got him at fifty-eight, a little over fifty-eight percent of the snaps. Yeah, opposed to Travis Kelsey's sixty-three. Now Kelsey snaps. I mean, they're now obviously Kelsey. You know, missed a game and all that fun stuff. So that makes a big difference. Um, but one thing they have um rotated out Kelsey. They've kind of continued what they started last year. They rotate Kelsey out just a little bit more because he's thirty-four. Man, he's tired. Like. It's much like us after our epic game of three-on-three on on the concrete. You know, sometimes you just need a break. Sometimes you're a little tired. And so it would be be incorrect to believe that the Chiefs are in 12 personnel, so, you know, one running back, two tight ends. It'd be incorrect to think that they're in that almost 60% of the time. They're not. I would love to see them up that simply because when you're concerned about one personnel grouping and you're comfortable with the second guy up, in another personnel grouping, it just makes sense. It's one way of trimming kind of some of the fat in terms of guys who aren't maybe adding as much to the play as they could be. I think Nate has something to add on that. What if they went a step further and did 13 personnel? Because per True Media, they are averaging six yards for every play that they run in 13 personnel with three tight ends on the field. Now that involves by a by a decent margin. Now that it's them and the Atlanta Falcons, which tells you the Atlanta Falcons should stop throwing the football. <laughs> just guys, just stop. Okay. Or give the appearance of throwing the football and then have Desmond Ritter try to do his best Joshua Dobbs impression. Um yeah. but 
yeah, they, they've had they have fifty seven plays where they have three tight ends on the field. Yep. Uh, they are like Patrick Mahomes is eighteen for twenty three. Again, one of the highest completion percentages based on the amount of attempts that he's had in thirteen personnel. They ran the ball thirty three times. Uh, they have a pretty good success rate. Uh, they only have two turnovers. Uh, that is one interception and one fumble. So, um, I I am all I'm doing is just sort of uh further pushing Seth's point here. But like when they have two, and sometimes when they have three tight ends on the field, they are a successful offense. Um, which means that you just have to be more comfortable playing more traditional style West Coast offense with two tight ends. Uh, versus some of the the three and the four wide receiver sets, I I, I absolutely agree. I they, by the way, sick. Well, they're they're score they have scored with them when there's two tight ends when there's just two. Uh, True Media tells me that they're averaging five point six yards of play, uh, nine touchdowns. Patrick Mahomes has completed seventy three percent of his passes, and they have five turnovers. Um, so again, pretty high success rate. Um. But it gets even higher with with the additional third tight end on the field when they might when they like to make those those choices in the either the game script or obviously the the down and distance. I have a very basic box score counting stat that I'm going to share because I was shocked by it. Noah Gray is fifth in receiving yards for the Chiefs this year. With and he is very. He is one good game away from being third. It is Travis Kelsey with almost 600. It is Rasheed Rice with uh, 378. Justin Watson has 276. MBS has 249. Noah Gray has 214. Noah Gray has 13 more receiving yards this year than Sky Moore. He also has more than Isaiah Pacheco and Jarek McKinnon and Clyde Edwards-Hilaire and, of course, Kadarius Toney. That shocked me just doing some tight end research over the last week or so. And uh, it doesn't feel like he's been that involved. He, he's also around the same one, too. <laughs> it's funny. Top five in receptions. Travis Kelsey by a mile. Rasheed Rice by a good bit. Isaiah Pacheco third. Kadarius Tony fourth. Noah Gray fifth. He is fifth in receptions and targets in this offense. And uh, the majestic white horse on the sandy beach knows how to make that first defender miss quite a bit. Yeah. Uh, if you want to go against games where he had some success against the Broncos, um, one of the more impressive plays was against, I believe, the Jaguars in Week Two, where his his ability to make people miss in the open field led to them scoring an actual touchdown for, uh, you know, for Sky Moore later in that in that drive. So yeah, um, there's just things that you can notice. It's funny to me that you know we live in a context, or, or we're told, I, I don't know which which one is true. I guess I'm being contrarian here, but you know, coaches love to tell us. Sleeping in that, I'm sleeping in that desk, Josh. It's me in that desk. You know, I like to tell the players, Seth, I know everything because I see everything. Guys, you think I saw my wife this week? I've been here grinding (laughs) so that when we give you this game plan, rest assured, we went through every scenario possible. But, Coach, real quick, in the back, Coach, in the back, why y'all need the bye week to figure out some of this stuff if y'all in there all the time? Great question. Why like why y'all just not figuring this stuff out? And y'all in here all day, seven days a week. Well, and unless I would just 
one of the problems um one of the problems is that you can you can be subject to overthinking things a little bit and i think sometimes you 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 put so much time and effort into something that some cost becomes a bit of a thing where it's like well we put in a lot of time trying to have our offense work this way and if we just tweak here and there then it's going to work i i I just and again andy reed has shown the ability to morph his offense over time it's really easy to forget now but in 2021 the entire conversation was around the Chiefs offense being broken. And that was with Tyreek Hill. That was, I mean, it was like, no, it's over, man. It is over. The ride's over. Teams figured them out. They had multiple offensive performances that were abysmal. They had a few more firework performances too. But that was the idea that that it was over and Andy adjusted. The thing I think that frustrates me a little, and I know we're not planning on going this direction necessarily, but I, I don't know. You, you mentioned it like in terms of the work and stuff. So what's frustrating for me is the adjustments that Andy's made in terms of being a more 12 and 13 personnel based offense, getting under center a little more often running the ball in ways that really complement Pacheco and the offensive line that those are some of the things they did to start to turn things around last year too. And my natural assumption was that they would take the things that worked best last year and do them more, but they're not. It's still their it's still their off speed <laughs> pitch yeah. by a massive margin. And just something if you want to, this just I thought this was interesting because um, Josh. So I'll use a, a counting stat too, and this isn't entirely fair. But you noted that Noah Gray is fifth in rushing yards, right? Rece- receiving yards, receiving rushing yards would also be impressive. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's impressive that he's fifth in receiving yards because he's eighth in targets. If you wanna if you wanna look at something very basic, now keep in mind, um statistics like this. And fifth in receptions. Fifth in receptions, eighth in targets. And is, so, he running, is he running nine routes? He, 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 he is not. He's a and that's ball guy, and, right? And that's and that's a great way to contextualize that stat because again, generally speaking, the more targets you get the more your efficiency goes down, right? That's why, like, that's why uh, Marquez Valdez Scanling averages more yards per target than Travis Kelsey because he, you know, you just the, the the efficiency is hard to maintain. But it just is interesting to me that they seem to have some answers, but they're not necessarily utilizing them. And one thing that concerns me when I turn on the tape against Miami is it teams, this isn't a matter of a bunch of too high shells, order shells, Uh -uh. or split zone shells, or anything like that. Miami was not too freaked out about getting beaten over the top. We're we're squeezing all these, we're squeezing all these intermediate routes, baby. We're gonna, we're gonna squeeze down. And that's where I think it matters in terms of personnel. Because I think Justin Watson maybe should scare teams a little more than he does. He's done nothing but, generally speaking, perform in a niche role. MVS has had a disappointing season. And so that's where I'm perfectly fine. You, you've got two guys that do the same thing that are seeing the field way too much. And so you've got to, and I understand that Tony and Rice... and They're Jordan, doing the same thing, not very effectively, to the thing you just said about how the Dolphins are playing. Yes. And so you want a guy that that, yeah, if you get the right kind of coverage... Can, can run away from someone, Justin Watson can do that. MVS can do that. But you've got to pick one. And then you've got to have guys that can threaten 
intermediate of the field while still threatening a little bit deep. And I just don't see any reason why Kadarius Tony can't be that guy. When, when, again, you're talking a post or a nine. You're not talking about something overly complicated. Or 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 double move. You can run a double Yeah, or a little double. If the offensive threaten something beyond what they're used to seeing because teams understand that yes, MVS can run away from some single high coverage. But, you know, if you just account for that, he's not really going to burn the intermediate. So, sure, give him give him 15 yards of cushion and then play single high over the top. Can, can I? I'll say two things really quick. To Seth's point earlier about simulated pressures, uh, I think the Chiefs can do that because you have Mike Dana and George Karloftis yep. who are pretty agile dropping in space to at least take up some version of, of Robert Spillane. Like, if your eyes take me there, I'll yeah. go. You know, but like I'm just here as furniture. Don't look over here. I got a 56 in my jersey. You know, like um, so they can run simulated pressures more, and that can actually work more in the A and the B gap, just as it mark, just as it works as much on the outside. So what Seth is saying is, when you go back and you watch Tershawn Wharton's sack, that is technically, I believe, a simulated pressure because it's it's McDuffie coming off the the slot. And it's Karloftis on the opposite side dropping into coverage, which is where Tua, I guess where you can say his initial restarts. And then he notices, oh, snap, like Fick McDuffie's in the backfield and he runs right into Church on Wharton's lap um, for, a pretty big, for a pretty big pivotal side to, to end the drive. Yep. The, the, the second thing is, it's okay, guys. I think Michael Christie's got it right. They're seven and two. It's one of the most strange, weird things about this season is they are playing to some degree closer to the 2021 team, but they're seven and two. And Joe Burrow is scared because his offensive line is garbage. Uh, the Ravens can't win at home when they have a lead. Is Buffalo going to make the playoffs? <laughs> Is the Chargers keep chargering? Good Lord. It's it, how you score on your last five possessions and lose. How? Um, yeah. Like, it you know, the Dolphins wake they can't me up beat with, a good team. Yeah, wake me up when they beat somebody with a, with a the, winning record. The Jags, the Chiefs beat them with like a B minus game. Yeah, the what what's fast. What's wrong with the Jags is also offensive line play. When Trevor Lawrence gets hit, the entire offense sort of crumbles. Um and look, they they are a team that needs to play from a certain script. They cannot play from behind. Um that was both evident in their loss to the Chiefs, to the Texans, and obviously uh, yesterday against the 49ers. So look, they're 7-2 with a chance to improve. Mm -hmm. But again, real football starts a week from now. Right. Because you go against a team like the Eagles, who are the leader in the pack in the NFC, then you have a, I guess, competent Raiders team that like, plays to its small advantages? At least a Raiders team that doesn't 
openly hate a Ted coach, which is a change. Right. Yeah. Right. In, in case you ever wondered if the intangibles matter, at least for a game or two, they can't carry a team the whole season. Right. But they matter a little because you, it, it, I mean, it's hard to play for someone you hate. And I mean, it's kind of like any other job. If you've got a job that's a real hard and you just hate your boss and you hate this stupid play that he called and you hate that if it works, he's going to take credit hey, for it. Hey, you he, hate that he's making you do this. Like, it's easy. Just a tiny step. They they said the quarterback was going to come back off a, off a back issue. Why he's scrambling and putting his back out there at risk. Oh. And also, if his back is hurting, is that why he can't throw the ball deep to the guy that's wide open all game? Is is that why? <laughs> Coach. Coach. I know. I mean, we don't have the guy. We don't have the guy. Ryan Hoyer time. Um, <laughs> at least, at least, until Pierce was like, you know what, Melissa, stop asking me. We need to run the ball on first down, second down, third down. If we get in the red zone, I might think about passing it. Have you seen Zach Wilson? I'm trying to get this job. Are you in your mind? <laughs> oh, well, Aaron Rodgers is going to return in like three weeks from what I'm hearing. So against I got to listen to some dolphins and look, it's a bad offensive line that is the reason he is hurt. Sure. Yeah. Sure, Aaron. Sure. Yeah. Hey, uh, you know what? I'm I'm here for it. I'm Team Chaos, but I did, Nate, I just, like, I'm looking at the AFC standings right now, Uh-huh. and it really is worth noting, like, the Bengals are always going to be dangerous. Joe Burrow's a terrific quarterback. Lou Adarumo is low-key been the most important member of that organization during their run. And I, 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 I would say that. Jamar Chase, but sure. Yes, uh-huh. I all I do is that yeah, look at the playoff yeah. runs, and I watch Big Lou hold team after team to I know their averages. I know Kent's gonna come through my window to strangle me, but there are a lot of good teams with good defenses and re- good receivers that don't win anything. We don't have to be, we don't have to be dismissive of the quarterback. I'm not uh, dismissive. I'm saying Big Lou has been the most important guy, and Joe Burrow is in a very close second. Nah, I'm kidding. He might be the. It might be one and one a. I don't know. Joe Burrow was all had answers that weren't Joe Burrow, so I'll just take Joe Burrow. Yeah, yes, that's Joe. Funny. Joe Burrow <laughs> is he's a terrific quarterback. You know, Joe he Lamar Jackson me. But when you look at, the- you know what, we're doing a snake draft now. So you went Anarumo. Nate took Jamar Chase. I'm gonna say I get two picks, right? So I'm gonna say yeah. Joe Burrow and Brett Veach for taking Clyde Edwards-Helaire instead of T. Higgins. <laughs> I'm gonna say so Sam Hubbard. Oh, I'm I'm taking Trey, um, and so uh, hopefully he's okay now. But here's it's just interesting when you if you just pull up and look at the AFC standings, there really aren't teams that are terrifying, and so it's just I think Nate's making I, is your overall point, Nate? Like, hey, maybe we should calm down a little bit. Like it's it's probably like we'll see. They look they've got a tough schedule coming up here. Maybe they drop three in a row. And if right. they drop three in a row, they'll be seven and five and still squarely in the playoff hunt. Right. I, I think I think there's legitimacy to both sides. Like yeah. they have a chance to get better, and the conference is not as tough as we thought it is outside of the AFC North. But also they got real issues that they need to sort of address. And their first opportunity to do that is against a really good opponent, um, who they last played in the Super Bowl. Um, there are also there's also another example that is true. Um, and I know that there's been Eric Bieniemy 
all throughout the comments, ladies and gentlemen. I can't remember who the sideline reporter is uh, during the Germany game, but I do want to point out that one of the best parts of the rewatch is NFL Network saying, all right, we're coming back to Germany. It's uh, four minutes left on the clock. And I don't know. Sheila, Sheila, you have something for us down there on the field. And <laughs> Sheila goes, well, guys, uh, Matt Nagy got the entire offense together and he tried to mother bleep them. And so Patrick got involved and, and he said, yeah, mother bleep them. Uh, to which, you know, Matt Nagy's trying something new. We'll see if it works, Jim. Three plays later, three and out, punt. Not great. But also, if Sheila had said that in 2022, 2021, 2020, 2019, 2018, Eric Bidemi got in the ass. It's usually touchdown, 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 touchdown. Both things can Sheila, be true. Sheila was probably either Sarah Walsh or Stacey Dales, based off I just I googled who the broadcast crew was. They were both sideline reporting, so say, I don't know which one. Let's say Sarah Walsh, who I who I actually just wanted to uh, say hello to. Hi, Sarah. We we you're in this role. You're going to play Sheila, okay? <laughs> and I want you to really emphasize that Matt Nagy is trying something new, yelling at his players for the first time all season publicly. And the players don't respond. All right, thanks, Sheila. That's probably the end of the show, right? Let me talk about defense more on Thursday. We'll look ahead to Chiefs and Eagles. I imagine then we'll have a show probably we'll probably go this upcoming Thursday and then kick it to Tuesday to have one to, to recap Chiefs and Eagles. But we'll let you know that for sure uh, on the next episode. We will be back on Thursday. Seth, anything you're just dying to say before we get out of here? been an hour and 15 minutes so i would think probably not good okay seth's done nate get us out of here and tucker mute seth eric davis thank you uh we saw him at the record bar shout out to his band hombre who's been a part of some really cool stuff uh that you also check out um it's always fun when we're on our date and holly's like oh god it's happening and it's like eric wants to say hello i, I should have bought you a drink eric uh but the record bar great establishment um, you know, Sarah and Eric Hill, Mayor Sly, Stephen Nancy on my flight back from Germany. Also wanted to say a quick thank you. Um, guys, the former mayor asked for my photo. Not the other way around. <laughs> it's made my season. And I just wanted to show you that little bit of info. I was tickled, you know, that that Mayor Sly was like, no, take a photo. And I'm like, it's supposed to work the other way around you <laughs> actual civic duties i make just faces on a podcast i'm just the dude that tells you sheila needs to be on the sidelines of every game because i like seeing the name sheila does anybody know a sheila not personally it's it's kind of one of those oldies but goodies you know like we don't name people marilyn monroe because they're not dating Georgia Maggio anymore. So, you know, hopefully this is all full circle. But look, Matt Nagy, if you just keep getting in their face and screaming at them, the narrative will change. Oh, Matt Nagy got in those boys, you know what's, and they scored a touchdown. 
and the narrative's got to change. What? Meanwhile, Eric Bieniemy is just looking at Ron Rivera like, "Can you do something on defense?" I'm doing the Lord's work over here, okay? They gave me two minutes, two timeouts, and I got Sam Howell. Are you just going to give up a game-winning field goal? I didn't need to sign up for this. I didn't need to sign up for this. Guys, I don't know where this is going, but ultimately, Josh Dobbs, if you remember nothing else, is the league's MVP, okay? He left one team and joined another, and he's going to lead them to the Super Bowl or the playoffs. Uh, the AFC or the, excuse me, the NFC Super Wild Card Weekend, not knowing where his locker room is. <laughs> you know, it's all really all about timing when you yell at people. Got a few other good ideas. Yeah.